This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. About open doors. And uh, I am excited today um, because it's Easter Sunday. I'm excited because we serve a powerful God. I'm excited today because God can make a way where there is absolutely no other way. I'm excited today because God loves us with an everlasting love that it doesn't matter what we do, God still pursues us. I don't know about you, but we serve an amazing God. And so I just want to pray to begin with this morning, and I am believing God this morning. If you've walked in this place and you're struggling in any, with anything, if you are uh, maybe frustrated by life, maybe struggling with peace in your life. Maybe you're struggling with your physical body and issues that you have in your physical body. Maybe it's the the bottom line of your bank account that you don't like to look at every once in a while. Uh, Maybe you're struggling with relationships. Maybe your children are disconnected from you. I have news for you this morning that with resurrection life comes resurrection answers. And with resurrection answers comes a breakthrough that will never have to go backwards ever again. I want you guys to be real this morning with God. Don't be real with me, but be real with God this morning. I know some of your stories. I know where some of you are at with things. And I know some of the things that you are even afraid to necessarily bring up to God because you don't want to be disappointed by what you thought was Him again. I have news for you today. Every single human being on this planet will let you down at some point because it's the humanity of humans that steps in and will let you down. But I have news for you today. God will never let you down. And what circumstance you may be struggling with this morning, God has a way, because he is all-powerful, God has a way of bringing those situations around. So believe God this morning, that God will meet you, speak to you, clarify things for you, set you on a new path, because he loves you this morning. Father, we thank you for Even as Pastor Terry shared on Friday morning, Lord, even though we celebrate the Son this weekend, Lord, it was really about the Father. It's really about the Father's heart for mankind that was on display that weekend many, many years ago. So, Father, I pray, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that you would reveal yourself personally to every single person that is in this room right now. Speak a word of hope and speak a word of, 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 of breakthrough and of, and of purpose, O oh God, this morning. We pray for that today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I just want to read you a little story, and then I'm going to get into the message this morning. But John and Susie were just married and arrived late at night at the fancy hotel for the beginning of their honeymoon. A simple couple without a lot of money They were so excited to spend their first night together in a luxurious bed in the hotel's bridal suite. When they got to their room, they found a sofa, a chair, and a table, but no bed. After several minutes, they discovered the sofa was a fold-out bed. So they spent a, a fitful night tossing and turning on a lumpy mattress with sagging springs. With their honeymoon night ruined, John stormed down to the front desk the next morning and gave the clerk a tongue lashing. There must be some mistake, the clerk said after checking the reservation. Did you open the door to the bedroom? (laughs) 
John went back up to the room, opened a door that he thought led to a closet, and discovered the bedroom to the bridal suite. Inside was a king-sized bed with a fruit basket, a box of chocolates, and a dozen red roses. (sighs) I have news for you this morning. The room was completely available, but went totally unused. And I want to let you know today that there are some doors in life that are far too important to leave shut. And I believe by the end of this morning, you're going to understand what it means to walk into and walk through the very door that God's opened up for you. And that it is too important and too valuable to leave shut. All it's done for that couple, John and Susie, is it led to frustration. And I can relate to that. I know what my life has been like when I have not been focused on God. It's frustrating. But when I put my focus on God, it was open door after open door after open door. And God's grace that comes and empowers us to make the decision to walk through. God's grace is here today. His open door is here today. But do not leave this place without walking through the open door that God's provided for you. I want to take you back this morning, 2,000 years ago, to the very first Easter weekend, if we can. Jesus, uh, his disciples, for many of us know the story already. Many of them had fled. Many of them have taken off. But where they actually ended up was behind a locked door in a room, hiding for their lives, because they were absolutely convinced beyond anything that not only was Jesus dead on the cross, but that they were next. How many can imagine uh, if, if you thought at that particular moment that your life was over and you had nothing to do? So the only thing that they could think of is, is we're going to hide in a room behind a locked door so no one else can find us. And some of us this morning are doing exactly that. But I want to let you know today, God's opened the door, so it's time to walk through. They walked into that room defeated. They walked into that room crushed. They walked into that room paralyzed by fear. But I have news for you today that literally hours later, that same day, they walked out of that room dynamic, confident, and full of faith. And you can do the same thing this morning. So I wanted wanted to share this morning that what was so cool about that room and about that door was that it wasn't opened by human means. That stone that was in front of that tomb was not opened by human means. Some of you are locked up in a room full of fear and of hopelessness, and you have been frustrated because you've been trying to open that door with your own means. And how many know you can't do it? It's frustrating. It's absolutely mind-blowingly frustrating. And God wants to let you know today that the the, the doorway, the tomb, the stone, the thing that has been blocking you from your very own breakthrough, God supernaturally removed. So all you have to do is walk out. You just have to walk out. I don't know about you guys, but um, in the last month and a half or so, two months, there's been several new movies out about the, the cross, about Christ, about Christianity. I mean, there's one that's in the theater right now that I know it's not explicitly about the gospel, but I've heard from several people about miracles from heaven and how, how much it's touched people's lives. I ended up going to see the movie Risen and was profoundly touched by that movie. I think what really hit me more than anything was the fact that the entire story was toward, told from the perspective of a skeptic. So it wasn't from a believer's perspective. It wasn't some Christian, you know, espousing the values of Christianity. How many know that would be too predictable? But it was from a skeptic, somebody that didn't believe, someone that didn't understand, someone that didn't have faith. But yet through the journey that they had gone on, they understood and literally endeared themselves to this man named Jesus Christ. But I want to go back 2,000 years ago to that very moment in that room. During that day, that morning, 
when Jesus was on the cross, there were six events that took place in 12 hours that forever changed and altered the course of history. Forever. Life literally has never been the same. I don't know about you guys, but our calendar is actually determined by it. Last time I checked, I didn't know Muhammad's birthday was uh, on our calendar. And, he, you know, it wasn't being determined by that. But Jesus Christ, literally, our calendar's been based upon him. Movies are still being made about it, even in Hollywood, where we think they wouldn't have anything to do with that. But Hollywood is still putting out films about Christ. Why? Because they're absolutely, whether they want to admit it or not, are enamored by this guy called Jesus. They can't figure him out. They have no answers for him. He absolutely blows away every single skeptic because of who he was and what he did. But the six events that happened that day were very simple. Number one, Jesus betrayed Judas. There was betrayal. Jesus was forsaken by his friends. I don't know about you, but when you're in the moment of, of, of the worst moment in your life, the last thing that you do not want to see happen is your friends desert you. But yet Jesus was betrayed. He was forsaken. Jesus was denied by his followers, Peter being the best example of that. Jesus was tried by his accusers. Jesus was tortured by the Romans. And Jesus was crucified by those he came to save. Wow. What a great day for Jesus, eh? He was betrayed. He was forsaken. He was denied. He was tried. He was tortured. And he was crucified. I don't know about you, but I've often come to this point where I've understood what happened that day. But there's far too many people that don't understand why it happened. And that's what I want to get across this morning. I want you to understand today not just what happened, but why it happened. Why he has opened a doorway for you. Why he opened a door that everyone else is trying to keep shut, including yourself. Why? Because he loves you. So what really happened at the cross? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, everyone knows it. We see placards about it every single NFL Sunday. So we know the verse, John three sixteen. except I'm going to go to verse 17 as well. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save it through him. He came to save it. Max Lucado, who's an incredibly prolific uh, Christian author, wrote in his book, No Wonder They Call Him Savior, this incredible quote, and I'm just going to read it to you this morning. It said, The cross, it rests on the timeline of history like a compelling diamond. Its tra- tragedy summons all sufferers. Its absurdity attracts all cynics. Its hope lures all searchers. History has idolized it and despised it. Gold plated it and burned it, worn it, and trashed it. History has done everything but ignore it. And I have news for you this morning. This is the one option that we've never been given. We can't ignore the cross. Everybody, whether they are a believer in Jesus Christ or not a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you have a completely different religious faith, whether you have no religious faith, whether you're agnostic or an atheist, it doesn't matter where you are. At some point, we all have to come absolutely right in front of the very thing that no one else for the last thousands of years could ignore, the cross of Jesus Christ. It's in front of us today. If this account was true, then it was history's hinge. If it wasn't, then it was history's hoax. But how many know it's the hinge? It holds everything together. And a hinge is the very thing that opens a doorway to the impossible becoming possible this morning. This is why 
the cross matters. Not only did Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but in John chapter 10, verse 9, one of my favorite verses, it literally says this, I am the door. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and go out and find pasture. The actual word for pasture literally means food that always satisfies. I don't know about you. That's, that's what I want. Food that always satisfies. Can I flip the round? Food that is never distasteful. Food that never causes you to throw it up and throw it out. It's always satisfying. The amplified version of this uh, verse actually says that you'll find pasture and God's peaceful spiritual security. How many want that? <laughs> That's what he wants for you this morning. Well, I want to talk about three people that were at this very first opening moment, the very first weekend of Easter uh, that we saw 2,000 years ago. And I'm going to read from John chapter 9, verses 25 to 27. This is basically the three verses we're going to talk about this morning. And it says this, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, which was John, Standing nearby, he said to her, Women, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into her home. There's three key people here. There's three people, three types of people that I believe are in this place this morning. Mary Magdalene was the first one I want to talk about. And what was interesting about Mary Magdalene is that she was probably the most unlikely person to ever be touched by God because of not only what she did, but because of her reputation. How many have ever in the history of your life ever have someone ruin your reputation on social media? Put up your hand. I'm not even on social media, and I've had it done. It's just incredible, right? All three of you. The rest of you, we need to just, you know, we need to pray for you. Um, How many have ever had someone ruin your reputation with a friend of yours? With a family member? With your pastor. Okay. We're good. Yeah, we're good. What was the cross for Mary Magdalene? Well, it was a place of redemption. And that's what it's going to be for you this morning. It's a place of redemption. The cross is for the broken. It's for the unlikely. It's for the used, the abused. It's for the sinful. It's for those that have had their reputation ruined not only by other people, but by the decisions that they made themselves. Listen, Mary Magdalene was not, uh, was not a very godly person until she met Jesus. And then her whole life turned around. In Luke chapter 8, we actually learn that Jesus literally cast out seven demons that were in her. So she wasn't just messed up. She was really messed up. Those seven demons made her think and do terrible things. Okay, Mary was the least likely to be redeemed, to be set free, to be loved, to be cared for, but yet Jesus did it. Some of you this morning are saying, well, you don't know what I've done. That's okay. He does, and he still loves you anyway. And my response is always the same. Well, you don't know what I've done. Some people think in this place that just because I cheer for the Leafs, that's worse enough. But I've done other things. I've done other things that are very embarrassing and shameful and, and just cause me to think, what in the world was I thinking? But I have news for you today. God knows what you've done. He knows where you've been. He knows the decisions you've made. He knows the things that you've said. He knows that the things that you should have done and didn't do, he knows all of it. And he loves you anyway.
Why? Because he's a redeeming God. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. This is the entire purpose of the cross wrapped up in one verse. To open their eyes and turn them, people from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Listen, the cross is a place of exchange. Oftentimes, Sandra and I, we actually heard this song many, many years ago. We loved it. It was called uh, The Divine Exchange. And it was a powerful song. Basically, the entire song was written about what God's taken from us and what we just give up for free and what we get to take back from Him. I don't know about you, but when the exchange is something, goes something like this, we give up our really patheticness and Jesus gives us His super on our natural. I like that deal. I don't know about you, that's a good deal. He takes our insecurity. He gives us love. He takes our hopelessness. He gives us hope. He takes our frustration and our discouragement. And he gives us joy. I don't know about you guys, but this is a good deal. You know, this is a really good deal. It's like someone come to you and saying, listen, if you give me a dollar, I'll give you a bazillion. Really? No, no, I'm just joking. It's all good. But that's what, he, what he's doing. He's literally saying, I see something in you that you don't even see yourself. But I see it. And that's what I'm going to speak to. When you come to that divine exchange moment, when you receive the redemption of God, you literally go from darkness to light, just like that verse says. You go from weakness to power in God. You go from guilt to grace. You go from failures to future hope. That is the heartbeat of God for you this morning. This is what Jesus did for Mary Magdalene, and this is what he wants to do for you. Amen? John 19, verse 30, Jesus literally was on the cross. The very last thing that he said, he said, It is finished. It is finished. It's finished. It's not half done. It's not almost done. It is finished. Sometimes we go to God like he hasn't done the job yet. I loved it last week, man. It was awesome. But I keep thinking to myself, man, I need to pray bigger. I need to believe bigger. I need to pray crazy prayers. Why? I need to grow up and pray like a child. I love that one. Because God's already paid the price. He's already provided everything that we will ever need to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. So I think we've got to change our mindset a little bit. And we can't come to him like a slave or a servant. We need to come to him like a son and a daughter. And understand that we already have a rightful place with him. Some people say, well, that's kind of arrogant. No, it's called normal. If you go home and you ask your parents for food, you know, for lunch, they're not going to look at you and say, how dare you? How dare you ask me for food? That's just nuts. Why? Because we want to pray for them. We want to bless them. We want to provide for them. So there's no difference with God. Sometimes we go to God and it's like we're begging. God just says, hey, why don't you come in and hang out? Hebrews 4.16, come out and hang in my throne room of God. Ask for anything when you have time and need. I got lots of grace and I can give it to you. And we're sitting there going, awesome, cool. Why? Because of Jesus. Sounds good. All right, that's good. Let's keep going. It is finished. There's no greater love that we could ever have than if we laid down our lives for somebody else. And that's what Jesus did for us. The second person in this equation was Mary, Jesus' mother. And for her, the cross was a place of relationship. And some of you are in this place this morning, and this is the point I've really been feeling all week for. I honestly believe that when I look at our culture and our world right now, we have a culture filled with broken relationships, filled with expectations that are so unhealthy and so ungodly that we just absolutely let each other down all the time. We have said things that hurt people. We have done things that when we should have stood up for somebody or supported someone, we didn't. We should have been silent over here, and we wanted to say more and more and more. And God is saying to us this morning, listen, he understands your relationship 
issues. He understands those things that you're going through. But you have to know today that the cross wasn't just for your salvation. It was for relationship uh, wholeness in your life. Can you imagine what it would be like if you had great friends in your life and you had great family relationships and your kids loved you and not just for what they gave you? Right? And that those relationships that were a little bit out of alignment were coming into alignment so that you could experience the fullness of what God had for your life. I have news for you today. God wants to do that for you. When Sandra and I arrived here eight years ago, what you saw on Friday was the culmination of eight years of prayer and conversation and lots of prayer and a little bit more conversation and then a lot more prayer. Because one of the things that we saw when we came into the city was how broken this city was how disconnected the city was, how disconnected pastors were, how disconnected churches were. There was people that were speaking against other churches from their pulpit on a Sunday morning. And then the other pulpit the next Sunday speaking against the other church the next Sunday morning. And I'm thinking to myself, um, people are going to hell and we're worried about what they're doing down the road. Let's grow up and pray like a child. You know what I'm saying? At some point, we got to get to the point where we recognize this is messed up. But Jesus came, and one of the most important things that he took upon himself to set us free was relational wholeness. We saw 14 churches come together, 1,350 people come together on Friday and worship Jesus. Why? Because we all love Jesus. Well, you know, you, you don't do this. Well, that's okay. You don't do that. Who cares? We all love Jesus. We made a declaration to the enemy on Friday morning that the time of the enemy's uh, you know, power over the city is done and God is coming forth with power and with grace and with blessing on the city. You know what we prayed when we came here eight years ago? I didn't get caught up in the, oh, well, that's kind of silly and that's stupid and God, what's going on? You know what I prayed? I said, Lord... You know the root issues. You know the heartbeat behind all of these issues and all the offenses and all the misperceptions and all the stuff. You know exactly how it got there. You know how a little tiny thing was blown out of proportion, and now it's huge in their minds. We know everything. We know the patterns. We know the process. And God literally said to me, "Um, if you put your focus on me and you live at peace with everybody as much as depends on you, you just watch what I'm going to do. And I said, Yes, sir. How many know that the timing of God and our timing is never the same? I wanted the Good Friday service eight years ago, but we had to wait almost six years. God said, if you can wait, I'll just make sure it's all good, and we'll figure it all out. God's doing things in this city. So I, I have news for you this morning. If you've come here, and, and uh, I, I just want to be really, really transparent this morning. I want to be honest with you guys this morning. Um, because I know our church, I know our church family, I know where I've personally been in my own life, and I want to say to you this morning, if there is relational conflict between you and someone in your immediate family, believe God that this is the year that you're going to see breakthrough. Believe God. If you've come from a situation from a prior church where you are hurt and wounded and offended, believe God that he can touch you this, this year so that you can believe and receive the very best of what God has for your life. Don't let the enemy rob you of one more moment. If you've come and you're struggling in relationships, friendships, and you just feel like you're not supported, not appreciated, not valued, not, not, to do, you know, not declared of great 
worth in your life to those people. I have news for you today. Allow God to touch your heart so that you can be a, a, literally a vessel used to touch theirs. But oftentimes we keep saying, God, if you just deal with them, then, then everything will be okay. And God is saying, no, 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 just let me deal with you. Step one for us was to literally say, God, I trust you. I'm going to keep my focus on you. I'm not going to worry about the 4,000 years of bad history in the city. I'm not going to worry about all the churches that don't want to talk to each other. I'm not going to worry about the pastors that will not even look at each other when they say hi, because I've seen that too. I'm not going to talk about all the Christians in the city that have bad-mouthed every other pastor in the city, have bad-mouthed every other Christian in the city. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to focus, Lord, right where you're at. And you can help me get to where we need to get to. How many know it's, it's easy when things are going well? It's not so easy when people are stirring stuff up against you. But it's in that moment that God wants to heal you and bring you to a new place. I don't know about you, but if you put yourself in the very position of Mary and John and Mary Magdalene in this moment, these are people that were being made fun of because of their faith in Christ. These are people that were being mocked. Jesus knew he was leaving. Jesus knew his mother was going to be potentially by herself. And what was the first thing that he thought of? Relationship. The solution with everything is a relationship with the right person. And the right person is Jesus Christ. When that's good, it's just amazing how the presence of God just starts to trickle down on every other relationship around you and start to bring healing in ways that you could never, ever figure out, even if you tried. God knows how to fix relationship problems. How does he know? Because he has our blueprint. (laughs) He knows us. He knows what to say to get across something across to you, and he knows what to say to get across to me. You know, when he comes to me and he just goes... Hey, Cameron, you know, I just want you to be at peace. You know, just like you are with the Leafs. Just like you are 48, almost 49 years. It's going to be okay. Just be at peace. And I'm good. I'm like, Jesus, you can heal the whole world because I know you're going to make the Leafs win before I die. Please, Jesus. But put yourself in Mary's shoes for a second. Mary suffered with how Jesus was crucified. The capital punishment, the whips, the the horrific method of death used by the Romans. But she also suffered because of where he died. He was on display in a public uh, display and declaration, not only of his own life, but he was completely naked. Sometimes we, we have this wonderful idea that Jesus was just up there with a nice robe and had a nice cross, and he just said, ouch, a couple times. No, he was in agony. And they literally stripped him down so that he couldn't even, because his hands are literally up on that cross, he could not even cover himself up. He was exposed. He was shamefully exposed. I honestly believe that when they pierced Jesus' side, it almost felt like it would have pierced Mary's very soul because that was her son. But what does Jesus say? He says in John 19 again, he looks to John and he says, Women or looks to Mary and says, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. When we're in him, God has a way of bringing the coolest people around you to help take you to the next level. He knows exactly who you need. Ephesians 2.19, it literally says that once you are in him, once you make a decision to follow Christ, 
that you're literally a part of the family of God. You're part of the household of God. And because of the cross, you belong to God's family. You have relationship, and you have the capability for even more relationship with those that are around you. You help make God's family complete. Without you, it is incomplete. I want you to look to your neighbor right now, look at them in the eyes and say, you complete me. Sorry. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I got problems. Pray for me. All right, third person. Third person. Third person was John. Not only was he his beloved, not only was he there at the the very last moment of his death, he was the only disciple that was there at the last moment. He looked at John and he said, listen, I'm going to trust you with something because not only is the cross a place of redemption, not only is the cross a place of relationship, but the cross is also a place of responsibility. We're responsible now. When we make a decision to follow Christ, God now literally empowers us to do what he's called us to do. And the first thing that he literally says was, woman, here's your son. Listen, Jesus gave John a responsibility, take care of his mom. But what was interesting about it, he didn't hesitate. He accepted it. He took her into her own, his own home. To acknowledge Christ is to acknowledge our place of responsibility. We are responsible. All believers are taking Christ's place here on the earth. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the voice of Jesus on this earth. Sometimes we always like, Lord, just raise somebody up. And he's sitting there going, yeah, I'm waiting for you. God, send someone over there to deal with those people over in East Asia and to tell Muslims about Christ. And he's sitting there going, Sana, hello. Lord, is that you? Yeah, it could be. It's awesome. John 20, verse 21, it says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. But you know what's so crazy and really good about the cross? Is it wasn't the end. Yeah, it was about redemption. Yeah, it was about relationship. It was about responsibility. But the cross, in, an, in, an, in essence, didn't empower you to live that out. It provided a way to you to live it out. But what would empower you to live it out was the empty tomb. That's what empowered us. Remember John and Susie? The room was available, but was totally unused. Some doors are far too important to leave closed this morning. John 20, verse 1, it says, And on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the one that received the redemption of Christ, honestly believed that God does very special things for those he's redeemed from much because he has a soft spot for them. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. I have news for you this morning. The door is still open. (laughs) The door is open. You know, the bedroom with the chocolates and the, you know, the dozen red roses, it's just on the other side. But God wants you to know today, you've got to walk through. You've got to make a decision to walk through. The very power of God to live that life of redemption, of relationship and responsibility is here this morning. The story is so amazing on so many fronts, but you have to understand this morning that because it wasn't a man-made removal of that doorway, because it was a heavenly-made removal of that doorway, Jesus proved to us the life that he wants us to live a couple of moments later when instead of 
coming in and, you know, and, and try to make all the disciples feel good who were scared in that locked door in that room, scared for their life, fearing for their life. You know what Jesus did? He said, well, forget man-made's door. I'm just going to walk through it. I don't need a man-made door. I don't need to open it up. What did he want to do? He wanted to show the disciples that no matter how you're feeling right now, I can supernaturally overcome it. I can supernaturally walk through something that you could never walk through. I can open something that you could never open. And I can close something that you are frustrated by it not being closed. God can do it. But you have to understand this morning that the choice that's involved in this is not, is not making it happen because that's on God. But the choice for you this morning is to make a decision to walk into the things that God has for your life and to stop staying in the tomb, the tomb of frustration, the tomb of agony, the tomb of financial ruin, the tomb of health issues, the tomb of relationship struggles, the tomb of sin. And God is saying, listen, the door's open. Walk through it. Walk through it. I believe there's people here this morning that have never made a decision to follow Christ, never made a decision to say, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Never made a decision to say, I'm going to choose that door. Remember the old game show where you had three doors to choose? I'm just giving you one this morning. There's not three, there's just one. Why? Because I know the other two never work. And you're always left disappointed. You know what's behind there is always the bad thing that you never wanted. But yet, that's the takeaway from that game. But I have news for you this morning. There's only one door, and man, it's a good door. Because what's on the other side is breakthrough. As I was preparing for this week, there was an old song uh, that I haven't heard in probably 20 years. And Sandra and I are just going to sing it to you. And I believe as we sing this together, I want you to stand with us. But as, as you sing this song this morning with us, we're just going to sing it a couple of times. First time, just be us. But I want you this morning to make a decision in your heart and in your life to walk through the open door that God has for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.